Mom? What are you doing here in the middle of the night? You're just in time for supper, dear. You're not my mother. My mother doesn't have... Buttons? <laughs> Do you like them? I'm your other mother, silly. Now go tell your other father that supper's ready. Well, go on. He's in his study. Hey, Michael. What? Michael, I found I found a door. I found a door and I'm what? going inside. That sounds like a great idea. You should do that. Awesome. I will catch you. I will catch you later. We'll we'll resume the podcast another time. I, I have to go on an adventure. All right. Well, let me know what's behind the door. Because awesome. you know, I've been hearing a lot. I've been hearing a lot about like these fake doors that lead to nowhere. What is and this, Rick them, and Morty? I think so. Real fake doors? No. Uh, I Real think we're good. <laughs> well, you know, if you get stuck on the other side, it's fine. I have no way to get to you, so best of luck. Thank you. Uh, nice, nice talking to you. Yeah, it was good. Anyways, I'm glad I finally have this podcast to myself. Welcome to Michael Hour, everyone. Now that Andrea is gone forever, she's lost in the other world, probably getting eaten up by the other mother. What a good day it is. Ha! Tricked you. I knew he would do this. I knew he would steal the spotlight. Well, you're the one who decided, hey, I, we're, we literally just started a podcast. I'm going to go check out this door. The door and was a lie, Michael. Other time, I... The door was to oh. test you, and you proved so yourself you... an asshole. I proved myself a normal human being who's just trying to make this podcast work. God damn it. And it's going to go on no matter what, even with you running off with your shenanigans. You know what? Welcome to Novel Ideas, guys. We're going to talk about fucking Coraline. <laughs> We're talking about Coraline and how much we hate each other. Perfect. Good old Coraline. I am so happy we're finally talking about this one. Yeah, it was one of my favorites as a kid. I think I read it in like the sixth grade, which is I think is apt time to read this story. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a nice. You wanna you wanna you wanna tell the folks at home what Coraline is for those that happen to not know what it is. Yeah, Michael, you're gonna interrupt me and tell me I'm doing a shit job again. No. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, Coraline is about a girl and her family. They move into a new house. And one day, while exploring the new house, Coraline finds a door. And at first it's boarded up, but when she comes back to it, suddenly there's this portal, gateway, hallway thing. And she follows it to find a just a mere replica of her own home, but with parents that have button eyes. And these parents uh, initially are very appealing. They have more time for her. They make her better food. And she's pretty, she's pretty into it. And she, she leaves, but then she comes back. And she comes back, and suddenly things start to get really creepy. And... She realizes that the other mother is trying to keep her there forever, and she strikes up a game with her to get back to the other side. And what 
what happens? Well, obviously, obviously shenanigans, guys. Obviously shenanigans, and the other mother is not playing the game correctly. But Coraline, Coraline is smart. Coraline gets out, and something follows Coraline back, and it's the fucking other mother's hand. And the hand follows her around. The hand wants the key that only unlocks the portal from, like, their side. And so Coraline decides to set a trap. The other hand is gone. Everything is great. We've saved the souls of three children. You know what? Fuck everyone. Read the book yourself. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Uh. doing it. It's a short book. It's amazing, you know? It's a novella written by (laughs) Neil Gaiman. Came out in 2002. Won won a bunch of prizes. Won uh, the Bram Stoker's... uh, children's book prize it got the approval of uh bram stoker's estate so and you know what uh, on audible you can hear neil gaiman reading it himself so no excuses it's like three hours we're gonna have a quick debate is it neil gaiman or neil gaiman i've always pronounced it gaiman i just like how gaiman sounds but you know i'm not i'm not presuming to know for some reason i remember him on when i followed him on tumblr back in the good old tumblr days him talking about how people used to call him gay man <laughs> and he didn't like it <laughs> but i could be wrong well i'm saying gaiman um, but yeah i don't know i've always i've always yeah i've always heard guy i don't know i've always pronounced it neil gaiman we don't really know one day we'll get neil gaiman to come on here and officially tell us but yes this was written back in 2002 it's a nice dark fantasy tale and uh, follows a lovely little girl named Coraline, which whose character is a bit changed when it changes from book to movie format. And we'll get into that at some point. But uh, a few other notes. This movie was uh, made. It's a stop motion animated film that came out in 2009. It done was. By Sorry. It was done. the <laughs> longest stop motion movie until another movie came along whose name I forget because it wasn't as cool as Coraline. But yeah. Hmm. Was it also done by Leica Studios or was, it, or was it by a different studio? Bro, great question. Let me do some research. Well, as you look that up, um, <laughs> this was Leica Studios' first film. And before they made this film, uh, they had been doing commercials and ads for, for about like a decade. And they decided, hey, we're going to make a film and they chose Coraline as their story the company goes bankrupt during the making of this film and uh, luckily Coraline was a hit and they made their money back and have made a lot of other films since Box Trolls Kubo the Two Strings that one because I just looked um, it up Kubo the okay Kubo the Two Strings also done by Leica Studios as much as like the story isn't as good, um, I will say the animation is some of the greatest like tech technical things in Kubo the Two Strings um, that you will see with stop motion animation. But they've uh, gone on to do like a lot of films. I haven't seen their most recent one. Um, I know it was. It's like uh, Mr. It's like I, I believe. Mr. Link, I think is what it was called. The Missing Link. The Missing Link, I believe is what it was. And I believe it's about like Bigfoot or, um, you know, the missing link between man and primates. I don't, I 
don't fully remember, but yeah, Lake of Studio is pretty cool uh, animation studio that doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, and it was a team of 29 people who put this movie together. It's just, I can't fathom mm-hmm. the amount of work they did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure the animators worked really long hours, got paid like shit, and uh, I mean, hopefully they, <laughs> hopefully the animators had some sort of like money in the company or whatnot. I know the reason why Leica Studios even got created was, I believe, it was made by the son of the CEO from Nike. Oh wow! And so basically, um, he used. He used up his money to make an animation studio. Lake Studio is a pretty cool place. Uh, they're out in Oregon. Um, I hope to visit them someday. And uh, But anyways, on to Coraline. And uh, I guess we'll get into the thing that we've already mentioned, uh, a little bit of uh, how Coraline's character has changed between story to to film. Yeah, I talked with you a little bit about this before which we usually we try to avoid all conversation so it's all fresh and raw for you guys when we you know talk on here but I just really hated how Caroline is wow Caroline I'm doing the thing I'm doing the thing the neighbors do Coraline is just a much bigger brat in the movie and I don't like that change she's just a really you know bored and polite kid in the book and that, I don't understand why that had to be different. Like, her and her parents aren't really fighting. She does ask them to spend more time with her, but she's not essentially kind of throwing tantrums in a way. No, she's uh, she's gone from sort of a bit of an adventurous kid to just straight up, hey, I need attention. Yeah. And it's a bit obnoxious like I, I was watching this I was just like at times I kind of wanted Coraline to just shut up <laughs> with certain antics she was pulling with her parents I'm like maybe it's just it's I, I'm an adult now I don't know what it is but I was just like nah I I totally understand the parents and they're doing the best that they fucking can and clearly they're not doing well money wise and they're his her parents apparently work together which i think is something that sort of changed uh, from story to film is that the parents sort of work together pitching some sort of uh magazine calendar or something i can't remember exactly what it was but yeah about gardening um, yes that yeah because it sort of it just it just specifies that they work from home in the book but it doesn't say what they do but they're both apparently writers for gardening in the film which is a it's not a big change and doesn't really affect anything but it sort of gives Coraline a couple of lines to make jabs at with her parents but yeah I part of me is wondering like because because you mentioned to me to me earlier and I was like thinking on it I was wondering why they they did this change with Coraline and part of it is I think also because they added YB as well and so they needed her brattiness with his sort of weird hey I like bugs type of personality just sort of awkward young boy 
and, and, and we'll, we'll get into the weather, the whole stuff about whether YB was needed to be added or not. But um, I, I think it's just sort of you're you're. you're you're seeing it. I'm, I'm picturing a studio. Sort this stu studio is getting together. It's a small team working together, and they're sort of thinking it through, and they're trying to come up with personality traits for Coraline, and they could stick with her just being a quiet, nice kid, which honestly would have worked fine. But at the same time, this is their first time making a big film. I'm sure some of these animators are, and some of the team probably has worked on other films before, but they sort of need, since this is the first time this studio specifically is making something big, they need a character that has a sort of big personality to latch on to quickly, and I think that's maybe why they did it. Just sort of something easy for a young audience to gravitate to and with. Yeah. But and also, like, her parents are a bit more like, in the book, they're just, they're busy. They're not ignoring her or saying, oh, just leave me alone, which is, like, a line they actually give her mom in the movie, I remember. They're just kind of like, I, I do, I just need to work, but I promise we'll do stuff later. Like, you know, they are just being busy parents. And not that the parents are coming off neglectful, neither one, but, yeah, I, I would just say the dramatics of the situation is way more upped in the movie. Yeah, this film sort of follows the same suit of uh, what we mentioned with like the Secret Garden, where the kid becomes a bit more bratty and the adults become worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a trope with tra translating uh, stories to the screen that you've got to make things a bit more. Um, I could kind of understand it because you're. I. I, I mean. I don't understand, but I understand. I could understand it happening quite often because people want things coming to the screen to just be more in your face, whether that's good or bad. Yeah. But uh, since I guess since I sort of already mentioned it, uh, what are your thoughts on the addition of YB? I don't like it. It's not a huge issue for me till the end of the movie, but I do understand. It's hard to show like. But Caroline wanders around a lot and you're in her thoughts. And obviously in a movie, you can't read people's minds. So having YB there kind of just gives you something dynamic to happen while Coraline's exploring like the grounds around the apartment. Um, and like just, you know, some some character to get, have more like vested interest in. But I hate that at the end when... In the book, Coraline's really brilliant, and she figures out how to trap the other mother's hand. She finds this, like, well no one uses, and she sets up this, like, tea time thing and, like, puts the key on there when she knows the hand's going to try to jump on it. And it all works, and, like, the hand falls down the well with the key, and then she, like, boards everything back up. But the movie, first of all, made it... Uh, Coraline really unaware that the hand's following her, which is also like an interesting change because in the book she's aware, she's seen it. It's also tried to rush at her before, but in the movie she's not aware it made it through the passageway. And then it follows her and then attacks her and then YB comes in to save the day and beats it off of her. And I just don't like that that served to make her less 
independent and less brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strong, strong points. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's an issue writers have. It seems, especially on on screen, where wait, 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 what you were mentioning with uh, the her her being clever and and coming up with a trap for the mother, which is great because the entire time. The mother's been trapping Coraline, but Coraline then creates a trap for the other mother. And it's when writers have a hard time showing characters doing clever things, being brilliant, and so they just option for a quick action sequence because it's easier. And also, I guess visually it might be better, but if you know how to showcase suspense, I would argue you could do a clever thing with... Coraline coming up with the trap and whatnot it, and like I'm not a huge fan of the YB character but I did kind of like the addition of YB's grandmother being uh like she's she has ties to the whole story yeah. of the house and that it was her her sister was once trapped and went missing and that it was her twin sister that was one of the the children that went missing. And technically, you could have done all that in a way without the YB character. And so, like, I, I get that he was the one to present it and, and whatnot, but it, he's not entirely necessary. And I hate that he's the one that ends up, like, saving her in the end and... It's like, oh, hey, look, we're friends now. Blah, blah, blah. He also, like, saves her from the kind of the place where the other mother has put her with the ghosts of the other children to punish her. Yeah, the yeah the other YB comes in and pulls her out of the fake mirror or whatever it is. Yeah. Which I think in the book she just ends up being let out at some point. I can't remember. Was it... She just, she figured a way out of it, or was it that she just ended up being let out? I thought she, like, said to the other mother, like, I'll, I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure she was just let out, but she said that, like, she ha she was going to strike a deal with her. Maybe that's not the right time that I'm remembering that. But, yeah, I think the other mother just lets her out. I mean, that's another hard thing, too, is the uh, the sequence of events are very different in the book and the film. Like, basi like, she doesn't even meet any of the neighbors before she goes into the other world the first time, which in the in the book she does. Like, she she's she meets Mrs. Fink and... Um, Spink and Forcible. Yes, there we go. Spink and Forcible. Forci forcible? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Mr. Bobo and... Uh, so it's it's there's a couple of there's some weird different time sequences that that are changed and like sh it's pretty it's about like maybe even a little before like halfway through the book that her parents go missing and that's like not until about pretty much right out of uh, the last third of the movie the movie but there's some interesting changes interesting change that I think I like was that she didn't have in, in the book it's she needed to find the children's souls but in the movie it's the children's eyes and i thought yeah. that was cool and creepier even though i guess technically they weren't the children's actual eyes they were objects but that's fine i, I like the idea of her having to actually find their eyes and 
that that's really creepy to me and plays into the whole dark fantasy and it, it's sort of like an old uh, gothic fantasy tale. Speaking of creepy, it's the book is definitely creepier and having when I read it as a kid, it freaked me the hell out, especially the whole idea of sewing buttons onto someone's eyes. Yeah. It's hard to make that as creepy when you're dealing with stop motion animation or animation in general. There's the idea of literally if if you were to see a Coraline portrayed with live actors and someone coming at you with a fucking needle and thread and a button, that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Really, really, I was—I'm pretty sure I was scarred from buttons for a while as, a, as, as in in my middle school years. <laughs> Forced my parents to buy me Velcro and zippers from now on. Oh my god, I I do love how um the way the animation's done. Like, the eyes are just recessed enough that it would be the perfect amount for a button to fit into. Like that was a nice little detail they put in. Oh yeah, that was clever character design. And I love too when like everything's sort of falling, f- falling apart, and even like the other mother is falling apart. That they didn't cover up like the metal armatures of the stop motion puppet, and you're literally seeing like, like her like the the hand and 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 parts of her arms, and I think even her feet were straight up like the uh, the the metal skeleton you make for the the all the puppets like that's what technically underneath Coraline um underneath all of her cloth and um whatever they use to to make her puppet that's what all the skeletons technically look like yeah so yeah I mean yeah let's talk about the less creepy changes I mean the Mm -hmm. first one is in the book when her parents are missing Coraline tries to call the police and the guy's just like oh little lady you 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 tell your mom to get you some ice cream, it, your parents are there. Don't don't prank. Don't prank. Just just go just go be a kid and like no one believes her, which is you know I mean that's a small one but like it is true that sometimes kids could call the police and not be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And then obviously there's the other dad in the basement being terrifying, and we do get like a night. I don't know, like, the whole garden was nicely done, and then, like, him attacking her on the giant praying mantis, which is apparently there's a praying mantis, like, toy in her room, in her real world, and it is cool that they brought some of those details to a more fantastical degree on the other side, but, yeah, that that basement scene, I think, is one of the creepier parts of the book to me. Oh, definitely. I guess they sort of tried to do that when Coraline comes back and he's back at the piano, and the piano's like forcing him to turn around and not talk to her, but it's just not—it's not done the same. Yeah, like in the basement, she has to like gouge her other dad's eyes out so he can't find her. Mm-hmm. And then, um, obviously, because she's not aware, the other mother's hand made it back to the real world. In the books, like that—that that was honestly that—that that one detail was like the scariest shit to me when it's like outside her window. Like, when she's trying to sleep. Yeah. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Just this hand out looking for you. Good old... Trying to re- oh, damn it. What is the name of the, the, the character from the Adams family? That's it? a hand. Wait, fuck. Is it just it? That's just hand. No, cousin... Is it just hand? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because it, cousin it is the is the the really hairy one. Yeah. Good old all those years I spent watching the Adams oh, family when I was younger. It's called thing. Thing. Gotcha. <laughs> Hand thing. Uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah i will say one of the one of my favorite moments is actually the very beginning and i thought it was a a really clever way of sort of establishing things and the the opening sequence without basically saying anything and it's you're, you're basically watching the other mother put together the world and like she's sewing together the Coraline doll which now that I'm thinking about it doesn't fully make sense within the story if she's just unless we're watching years prior because apparently the the, uh, YB's grandmother had that doll and had had has had it for years since like her twin sister went missing but you have the other mother now making it at the very beginning of the film Technically, that that was always one. That that is one thing that I did not like with the story was there's a doll of Coraline, but it's been around for all these decades. When the other mother wouldn't know about Coraline coming to the house because she only is able to make copies of what's in the house. That's a good and point. And it's something that does not make sense in the film because yeah. the, the the doll doesn't exist in the in the in the story form. The whole grandma and and all that stuff owning the house none of that is part of the actual story and so this this doll that looks like Coraline but it's been there for decades doesn't make sense and I'm just now realizing that (laughs) Um, but I still like that opening sequence of the of watching the other mother put putting technically putting the world together um, as the new family is moving in yeah, there's also a lot of details. I enjoyed looking this up about stuff they kind of snuck into the movie. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's one that a lot of people have brought up on TikTok, actually, which is like when they make a cake for Coraline in the other world. Um, it says, welcome home. And then in home, there's a double loop in the O, which apparently, if you're into graphology, that means the person's lying. So, like, the welcome, the O is normal, but in home, it's got two loops, which means that the welcome uh, part is true, but home is fake. Uh-huh. I know. Uh, Jesse brought that clever. one to my attention. Jesse, our number one Way fan. Way to go, Jesse. <laughs> hey. Um, How about that? But, yeah, there's, like, other stuff uh, in that same scene when the lightning flashes behind in the window... Apparently, if you, like, stop it right there, the lightning looks like a hand, which is pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, in that early scene where they're moving in, you know, there's, like, that really fun, you know, there's the moving truck, and then, like, the guy asks for money, and they're like, here's a dollar, and he's just like, ugh. And then he goes to the truck, and, like, when they close the thing, there's, like, a little bit of, like, words written into the dust on the back of the truck, which says S-T-O-M-O rules. And they kind of just snuck that in for, like, stop-motion rules, which was cute. Um, I like when the animators do little things for themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll see that. That happens a lot in animation. They they purposefully hide things because you're spending so much fucking time on each frame that <laughs> you can typically hide stuff. Yeah. And no one will notice it. 
And I remember actually, I did notice something was written on it in, when I watched it, but I was like, who's Domo? Like, I was like, oh well, it might just be a thing. And then, um, oh, one of my favorite ones, it's Mr. B. So like, you know, in the, in the movie, he's got this like dirty tank top with a medal on it. Mm-hmm. Apparently that medal looks exactly like the ones given to people that helped in Chernobyl cleanup. And people are thinking he might have had radiation, and that's why he's blue, and that's why he's obsessed with eating beets. So, I liked that. Alright, alright, Mr. B. I mean, personally, I think people should eat beets more often. Beets are a pretty, pretty damn great vegetable. That, that gets a bad rep. Hey, um, sponsored by beets. Listen, not the headphones, fuck that. We're a plant oh. fan club, and beets can help you have hemoglobin even if you didn't have radiation beets are great for you and they stain your hands pretty colors when you cut them up and one of my favorite books has an entire chapter dedicated to beets and i wish it got turned into a film so we could talk about it but one day just tell us the name michael it's called uh jitterbug perfume by tom robbins the first chapter is literally all about beets and how great beets are and uh how how pretty much everyone's lives would be more beneficial if they had more beats. Oh, so one thing I really love when in the movie, when she does go visit the the lovely neighbors of Spinks Enforceable, you've got these mm-hmm. posters of these plays they used to be in. And it was uh, Julius Sees Her and King Lear, L-E-E-R, which was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> They're in all these like suggestive ass plays. <laughs> Oh yeah, I I like them as a as characters. The two the the good old lesbian couple. And I really liked the addition of like the play, in the movie that they see. Like it was really fun. Yes, yeah, that was good. Um, they also added the whole. Uh, what did the book have the whole jumping mice routine in it at all? Like I thought it was only the, the dog show that happened but i the whole jumping mice is an added thing right i thought there was but i might be misremembering yeah it's that's one issue with reading the book so close to the film is i i can't fully remember what is added and what isn't well i i i i I rewatched the movie um well a i was watching it with friends and fell asleep but i rewatched it entirely the next day not just the part I missed because for the life of me I couldn't remember how the movie showed her getting out from the other world and apparently in the movie she just fell asleep and woke up in her own home so I was like oh yeah we're doing that I guess (laughs) yeah it happens like two or three times and then it doesn't work the one time that she actually wants it to work yeah but like I'm sure I think in the book she had to like go back through the passageway every time she wanted to go back she did yeah. She did. And there's like, uh, that's, that's another thing. Like, I think she only crosses between three times in the book, which in the movie happens like five or six different crossings. It, it really was. I thought it was like twice in the book and three times in the movie, but I might be misremembering. Something, I just know that it happens way, it happens more in the, in the movie. But and, I mean, and for, and, and, and the very last, I really don't. I hate the uh, the uh, other mother turning into a like a giant spider sequence. 
I mean, it kind of looks cool. I guess I guess that's fine, but like, it's it just seems like oh, we need to drag out an action sequence, kind of thing for me. I don't really see it like added anything, and it's just unnecessary. It was creepy though. I'll give it that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was already like I don't know. Her turning really huge and long and lanky is creepy enough, in my opinion. I don't really find... Maybe it's because I personally don't find spiders really that creepy. It doesn't It doesn't do anything for me. Well, I don't either, but we might so feel differently if they were much bigger than us. Hmm. Hmm. Like Shelobe. Yeah. You're right. Maybe. So oh, you, you hated to say that. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. No, I'm just thinking like... then you. I was just thinking like, would we then tame them and then we would ride them like horses... Across the land. That's true. And then we could use them to write, write up walls. Holy fuck. No, this is great. Please, can we get giant spiders? I am all for this idea. I think we would learn how to tame them and like be able to cross terrain uh, in ways we couldn't before. I want this to happen. Well, let's, uh, in, let's head over to Ukraine and uh, proceed to spend the next five years sneaking in spiders under the protective dome over Chernobyl. Um, I'm down. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, because that's how it's done. Yeah, totally. Radiation, radiation totally keeps things alive and makes them better. <laughs> well, and also, apparently, because of the exoskeleton, bugs can't get that much bigger than they are. They, uh, they'll never be able to be huge. So we're going to just make our own, and we're going to put a real skeleton inside of it. All right, all right. I'm I'm enjoying this. I I'm down for some Frankensteining some giant ass spiders. Boom! Look at that. Look Brought in last week. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's how it's done. That's the kind of quality podcasting you get from us. <laughs> you get quality podcasts when we're not dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are able to do it every week. Oh yeah, getting back to what we're talking about. I really like that the door to the passageway to the other world is specifically small, so it's only comfortable for a child to go through. Yeah. I like it too. It's just I always have an issue when I see small doors leading through weird passageways because it always reminds me of uh, being John Malkovich, and I'm just like, oh, we're heading into John Malkovich's mind after uh, going through this little doorway. But that's just because I've watched that film way too many times. I still have to. If only it was a book. <laughs> but it, it is a person. <laughs> and they're like, um. There's some other details that were really cool. So, like, the wallpaper over the door in the movie had, like, yes. little bugs on it, which was nice. Like, you're starting to see some things that the other mother likes kind of in the background. There's also, like, this cool bit when, like, the other mother and the other dad are watching Coraline fall asleep the first time. She has a shadow and he doesn't because she's technically the one orchestrating everything and... She just molded everyone mm -hmm. else. Yeah. I, I mean, and in, in, in the door as well, I, I did like that that it was wallpapered over because I'm assuming that YB's grandmother wallpapered it over after she, she ended up owning the house later on and didn't want anyone to go through that door. Yeah. So, because um, I mean, he, 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 he mentions to Coraline that she doesn't, she specifically tries not to rent that flat out to families with children because she doesn't want what happened to her that happened to her sister to happen to someone else there's another detail i really 
that bugged me that was different. So mm-hmm. in the when Coraline's parents are missing, she does realize, you know, she's the other mother's probably got them. And but this was like the change that happens here. So she f- is smart enough to figure out eventually that the other mother can't really create things. She can just mirror what's on the other side. So she's trying to figure out when she's playing this game with her to find the souls of the children and um, her parents. She realizes that there are no snow globes on their mantelpiece at home, but there's a snow globe in the other mother's living room. And she realizes that's probably where her parents are. But in the movie, there's snow globes on both sides. And mm-hmm. it's not until she's actually in in front of the other mother and she's tricked her into opening up the passageway, which was really smart, that the in, in the movie it was actually the cat that points it out. Like, oh, look, look inside that snow globe. And she sees her parents right, and grabs it. So, like, that was another change that A made her stupider. Or not not as clever. And then, you know, gave someone else the credit for helping her out. And then be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I guess I, and it's fine. It's fine. I just, young I girls, mean, that's, that's the issue. this thing, she's like a really good role model for young girls, like for being clever and getting yourself out of situations. Yeah. I mean, Gaiman's really good at writing young characters and m- making them feel both youthful and not stupid. But yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I completely agree. It's stupid that they take out that they, 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 they pretty much take out all the good moments for Coraline, where she, she figures things out on her own and 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 works hard to get things. I mean, I guess they sort of show some of her cleverness. I, 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 there's the time when she shines the lights on the the uh the dog bats hanging upside down sleeping so that they end up attacking the the two ladies that are holding on to the children's eye yeah there there is some clever moments that they still show with her but they do take some of these they take away the larger moments from her and it's a real shame and and they yeah like you said I, i yeah both those times they give it to someone else there was the cat and and YB, so maybe it's I I'm trying to figure out why they do would do that. Maybe it makes it easier. Well, I think it's like I don't. It's like what I said about the beginning of the movie. Like it might be hard unless you, but you could just have her thinking aloud. But it might just be hard to show her thought process of, oh, like she can't create. Well, she, has, she can just alter. Right, but at the same time, you she she she, she ha, at this moment in the story she has the cat with her and you could have that dialogue happening between her and the cat yeah because they're they're also they're already they're already conversing and and he's he's the one that points out the the globe when it's like right in front of her face the cat Um, is like my favorite character the cat's fantastic oh i mean also yeah the 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 actor that plays him has a wonderful nice voice that i could just listen to all the time um gaiman loves his cats like every 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 story that i've read by gaiman seems to incorporate a cat in some sort of way that uh and 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 he 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 seems to really love cats and i can't blame him 
Me neither. Um, and I get, I, you know, we don't have any cat background noise because both my cats are sleeping right now. But. Oh. <laughs> but it's cute. But yeah, I. I don't know. Like, don't dumb down your character if you don't have to, ideally. But, it, you know, it was still, it was still fun. Like, I don't have many gripes. And like, God, I could. Do you want? I can get more into like some fun stuff that they snuck in because like they were very clever in the way they used the, yeah. like, visual medium, but... Oh, and A, I just love the way they have the passageway opening up when you open the door. Yeah, where it's, like, a... It's, it's sort of, like, um... I guess it's something, like, a, a springy sort of material. Like, I guess, like, a tubing that sort of springs out. Yeah, it reminds you of those, like, really pet nice. tubes that, like, you open up mm -hmm. and, like, yeah. they run through, um, which might just be what they use. Like, I don't know. Um, and just, I mean, like, spray-painted fun I metallic colors. <laughs> I think I mean you probably are right. That is probably exactly what they use because I'm, I'm the the puppets are each probably about what a foot and a half, so that pr that probably would be about the right size for them to make the thing with. But yeah, there's like, you know, she goes to Spinks and Four Sybil's apartment and they they feed her this like really hard taffy. In the movie, like when they open up the chest that has the taffy, there's three other bowls and one is from 1921 one's from 1936 and one's from 1960 which people like think that's when the other children went missing and like each time a kid moved in with a family they got some taffy for when the kids came around um but like they have this leftover taffy because the kids went missing i don't know if i can buy that theory because it's it's owned by the by the two ladies and they haven't been around the entire time. That's a good point. So I can't, I can't buy that theory. I think I th I'm pretty sure those numbers re represent something else. I'm. Th what, what were the numbers again? Nineteen twenty-one. Um, okay. Nineteen thirty-six. Nineteen sixty. All right. I was trying to think that maybe they were representing wars. Nineteen thirty-six would have made sense for World War Two. But the U.S. Um, and Europe didn't enter into the scene until forty-one. I know, but the, I mean, but the war was going on. Just in just in Asia. In Asia, it started uh, in 33, I want to say. Yeah. I don't know. But I know I'm my sure war dates, Michael. Something. Don't fuck with me on war dates. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. It's the you're only good. dates I'm sure, I really I'm just... know. <laughs> I'm so bad at dates. <laughs> Do you have a birthday? I don't know. I'm putting it in my phone. My phone will remember. <laughs> but that's days and months, too. You're... That's That's too many things. Yeah, no one should have to remember that shit. That's why everyone should be born on the same day that a war was started. True. But one thing that does represent the other kids is in the um, uh, living room in the other home. or like, No, in the kitchen, because you see this behind the cake when you see it. There's like these three, they look like three portraits, like the style you would see on um, one of those pendants, uh, like where it's just the outline. Um of like mm -hmm. three children so people think that like you know that's just kind of a weird trophy that the beldam has for the kids who's who she has trapped interesting and then, like certain parts where the beldam like sits um they use that they use like the furniture behind her to give her horns in those moments and i can post some of these screenshots to instagram so people can see i'd like to see it so do it yeah great it's a plan <laughs> I mean, oh, one last thing. I, I guess, like, movie Coraline is way more into the other world 
than Book Coraline is. Like, Book Coraline's really kind of creeped out from the get-go. I mean, she likes that there's better yeah. food. But, in I mean, in both, they, like, want to go back home for the night. But in the movie, she, she does just fall asleep. But, yeah, she she's pretty sketched out by the whole thing. Um, which, I mean, and I, I understand. Like, especially the way they did the, like, dinner in the movie with, like, the fucking gravy oh, yeah, train and the chandelier like, of smoothies. I, I, I'd fall for it. I'll be mm-hmm. honest. I'd fall for it at first, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I'd be fucked right away. I'd be like, shit, I ain't leaving. <laughs> trap me here i'm fine i'm i'm cool dying here and whatnot as long as i get some of this shit i want to see a mouse circus oh and that this was something i, I did s- notice this. i wanted my dad to sing a song by they might be giants yes oh so that let's tell that story they were supposed to originally do the whole soundtrack but then they settled on having this like really nice ethereal creepy music which i i'm glad they did and apparently they got yes. the children that are singing to sing in a nonsense language which i really like too they're not actually saying any words um but yeah then they kept that one song that Coraline's father sings there's also a really creepy song cuz it just talks like about how all eyes are going to be on Coraline but like it's really catchy so you don't get creeped out by it immediately um which is just perfectly yep. appropriate. Yeah, they, they. I forget which composer they used as the main guy who made the music, and then they also used some stuff from one of the members of Boingo Oingo, made some stuff as well for them for the for the soundtrack. Yeah, I think it would be. I I I would have hated an entire. They might be giant soundtrack. As much as like I like some of their stuff, I I feel like an entire soundtrack would have kind of been off-putting with a creepy story like this yeah and i i have this issue a lot when movies choose to do songs with lyrics that i don't mm, you're kind of forcing a meaning into certain things it's different if the music's written for the movie i guess but like you know i've seen way too many kids movies that are even like good and have had like a good original soundtrack and then they end it with some like famous person song and i'm like i don't like this for an ending i don't know it and it's some like really sappy uplifting message and i'm like kids don't they don't need you to do this to them (laughs) i don't know speak speaking on that because i also listened to the 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 neil gaiman audiobook I don't know why they chose to have that one song play multiple times in the audiobook Oh my god, the rats. Um, well, there was that, and then there was the other one, like, you're not my mother and I want to go home, <laughs> or whatever. Was that one at the end? I didn't yeah. hear that one, but the rat one, no lie. I was doing dishes, and then that song started playing, and I was so fucking freaked out. <laughs> it was... I love that one. Um, that one was that one was interesting, but there's one... Um, it's... It, I don't know if you, we we listen to the same audiobook, but it's mine has with original music by the Gothic Archies, which I'm assuming made that other song. But it, it plays a couple of times, like at the beginning of chapters. Oh, I didn't I think get it that plays one. three times. Yeah, and it's just like this. It's like this dark synth of a guy who sings out of tune and is <laughs> basically it's like you're not my mother and I want to go home. <laughs> interesting it was, it was a weird choice uh i wasn't comfortable with it <laughs> it's not needed this is an audio book 
And you know, we never even brought uh, up, like, in contrast, the Bell Jar audiobook had that beautiful piano piece that would play sometimes between portions yes. of it. Oh, my God, that was so good. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. I love, yeah. <laughs> but. Cool. Yeah, seriously, please read Coraline. It's it's not long. And also watch Coraline. It's, not, it's still a good film, even though we have our little gripes about things and its changes. It's still a great film and a great feat of stop-motion animation, which unfortunately is not done enough, in my opinion, and is still my favorite form of animation. Yeah. Um, and in the words of Ben from Parks and Rec, do you think I could be depressed if I made this and proceeds to work for, like, days and days to make, like, an 11-second clip of stop-motion? <laughs> like, it's hard work. And so, you know, we should yeah. celebrate when people do this. They did great. Cool. So that's Coraline. Uh, and next week, we are going to be reading an interesting book called The Phantom Tollbooth, which is a weird story, and I haven't read it since I was a kid, and I'm pretty much forcing Andrea to read it because she's never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, um, so if it sucks, next week we'll be arguing some more. It's going to be great. Come see some drama yeah mm-hmm. uh thanks for being here <laughs> that's, that's, yeah thanks for coming read yeah, Phantom read book. make it that one it's uh it's basically lord of the it's basically it's basically lord of the rings if it was written you can't by just say basically Douglas lord Adams. of the rings without immediately it hyping up everyone's a... expectations to like a million what are you what are you doing <laughs> well I, someone needs to hype up this podcast. <laughs> people get the people riled up. Whatever. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's basically uh, it's basically Lord of the Rings, uh, written by Doug. If it was written by Douglas Adams, I don't know who actually wrote the Phantom. <laughs> He's Tolkien lying on two Douglas accounts. Adams, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember who wrote it. I, I have it on my bookshelf or my William my pile Shakespeare. Of hidden somewhere in there but <laughs> by bill shakespeare i don't know if you ever heard of the guy <laughs> a little nobody he took some time off he never really amounted to much but he made the phantom toll booth he's like fuck plays i'm writing a children's book uh, cool awesome well i'll see y'all next week bye why don't we play a game I know you like them. Everybody likes games. Uh-huh. What kind of game would it be? An exploring game. A finding things game. And what is it you'd be finding, Coraline? My real parents. Too easy. And, and the eyes of the ghost children. Huh. What if you don't find them? If I lose. I'll stay here with you forever and let you love me. And I'll let you sew buttons into my eyes. Hmm. And if you somehow win this game... Then you let me go. You let everyone go. My real father and mother, the dead children, everyone you've trapped here. (sighs) Deal.